Hello, Brain Allies. You're listening to Brains Out Loud, where we talk about important topics surrounding mental health, from our personal life to our work life and everywhere in between. Our goal is that through these conversations, we can help others prioritize mental health on an equivalent level to physical health. We have an exciting episode today with Colette LeClaire. You might know her as Colette Prime. Colette, thank you so much for being here. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Hello. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on this. This is my third podcast that I've ever done. So I'm like getting into the podcast and I'm like, I love this. I'm so excited. Um, So I live in Los Angeles right now. I just moved here during the pandemic. I used to live in San Francisco before this and I am just trying to launch my influencing career here. You know, like LA is kind of the hot spot for creative. So I love living here. I have my sister two hours away from me. I love hanging out with my family. I miss my family who's on the East Coast, but I really love what I do. I love helping women find clothes that they're looking for. I'm always shopping online, trying to find women their shopping requests, whether it's for like a wedding, whether it's just for a birthday party or just like an outfit to wear to work. So I love what I do and I'm so happy to be on this podcast. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thanks for being here. And you definitely have a talent for all of the stuff under the umbrella of like being an influencer. And I love especially how you personalize stuff like you're very approachable and not everybody who's doing what you're doing is that way. So I think it's really special how you'll specifically cater to a request that someone asks of you. Yes. I, I mean, I realize that for me to have passion in what I'm doing, that's what I have to do. I have to be like actively helping someone or it just feels so like void of meaning. And like, I, of course I love photography and taking photos, but if it has like a purpose behind it, like I helped a girl feel more confident today than I can post, you know, an outfit that I like rather than just like, here's me, 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 me. And this is my style. And this is why it's good. You know, like it's absolutely like, I want people to subscribe to the the idea of like women empowerment rather than like my this is just cool style. <laughs> right. It's not just watching you. It's actually being involved in it. And I think that's really it's really nice for you to share that with people. So Thank how you. did you get started? How did you get to where you are? Obviously, you've completely blown up. You have access to so many people that wait to hear from you. I know that I'm constantly checking and my sister as well. But <laughs> how did you get to this point? So I, let's see, I started this back in 2017. I was in San Francisco and I had an accounting job and I I started it right before we got to 2018 in the fall. I was doing both jobs at the time and I thought, you know what? I have this Amazon wardrobe. And at the time I was helping my friends pick out outfits for like things we would go to, whether it was like a Coachella music festival or we had like, we're going on a boat for someone's birthday party. I was always like telling girls what to wear. So I loved that and helping them what to wear and also finding it on Amazon. So I was already doing that in the back, in the backstory, like for years since I was probably 22. So then when I was 25, 26, I was like, I'm going to start a blog and see if anyone else is interested in shopping on Amazon. Cause at the time it was like, you don't shop on Amazon and you don't tell people you shop on Amazon. So it was very weird to be like, this outfit is from Amazon. Now it's more um, accepted as a way of like, shopping for clothes but then it was not so I started doing that and uh, my blog got some views and then Amazon at the same exact time launched an influencer program so it was like me getting into it at the exact same time it's just timing was perfect and then now I had this program where I could actually have like categories and add to those categories before I was just 
putting stuff on a blog and like linking photos with outfits, which is just like, that's not going to go anywhere. Right. So it's the influencer program that really launched it all was able, I was able to accelerate and then start working with Amazon and doing like videos with them and doing promos with them. And it was just timing. Timing was perfect. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. You got right in, you are kind of part of starting the whole movement. Like you were one of the first to do this. And I think that's why it's kind of iconic because now everybody gets everything from Amazon. So why not lead that movement? Yeah. I felt like it was going to be something. I was like, wait a minute, we're getting everything already on Amazon. It seems like why not just add clothes to the shopping cart? So it was perfect. And like, yeah, I kind of like rode the wave when it was happening. And you always in this industry, in any industry, riding the wave is always like, I'd say always do it. Always do it. If there's a trend that you can hop on and ride, ride it. (laughs) Absolutely. I have so much regret that I didn't get on TikTok sooner. I was so resistant when it first came out. I know. And now I'm like, I'm making TikToks. I send my friend TikToks and she's like, I saw this last year. Like you're, you're late to the game, but good for you for hopping on it. And I love your TikToks as well. She'll even do shout outs. So someone will ask her for an outfit and then she'll give shoes to match a dress or you give them specific recommendations directly on your feed. Yeah, I love TikTok. And it's funny you mentioned that because I still think we're hitting the point where we can still ride the wave early. So I know you feel like you're late to the game, but I still think that is going, it's still new to a lot of people. So like keep going for it. I think in a couple of years from now, it'll be a little late, but yes, I love TikTok. I love the idea of having like a separate platform because I've only ever focused on just Instagram. And there's a little bit of a flaw in that. It's better to maybe have a couple different platforms. You know, like you have a podcast, you can have, people can find you on YouTube. Like that's good, right? Branching out a little bit. So that's like, that's one of my goals this year. Awesome. Yeah. Distribution is definitely important in this space. Mm -hmm. So you said that you were working in accounting before. So how did you make that transition? And what was that like in terms of, I have this kind of simple life or I'm doing what I'm expected to do. And now I'm going to make this big jump to be an influencer and kind of stand on my own. How did you make that transition? I just had this gut feeling. I knew this idea was so good and I had worked in accounting. I went to get my master's in accounting. So I, I knew I always had that to fall back on, which I think is important. Sometimes people always want to quit their day job or like quit what they're doing, what they went to college for right away. And it's almost like maybe like get the experience in that time, do both at first. So that's where the confidence came from. And I was able to do that because I was like, I've worked for this company for almost three years. I just got promoted to senior, a senior CPA. I was like, if I leave and this doesn't work, they'll take me back because I had built up somewhat of a career, a two-year career there. So I had the confidence to leave. And I knew if I went and got like a Pilates job at the, uh, I was actually a Pilates studio right across from my accounting job. So it's like, I would see people during the lunch break and be like, Hey, like I'm a workout instructor now. So I knew if I could just give myself, I gave myself like six months. If you can start living off of this in six months and you don't have to do uh, Pilates every single day to, to pay your rent, then this is going to be something. So I had the confidence because I already had a job that I knew I could fall back on. That really, really helped. And I just went right into the influencing thing. I was posting seven days a week, 24 seven. And since I was working at a Pilates studio, I was the girl at the front desk. And if the class was going on, I didn't have to do much. 
So like I would check people in, I'd clean up the machines. I do a little stuff in and out, but when they're on the machines, I was like on my phone, shopping, shopping, shopping. So that was really helpful to have a job where I could kind of do both. <laughs> yeah, the Pilates job really like complimented that. Yes, it did. It did. So now tons of women have connected with you seeking your guidance. And how does that feel? That's a, a strong weight kind of on your shoulders. But um, how much time do you spend engaging with people? And what is that relationship like? That I spend probably over 50% of my time engaging with people because that is where I get my content, right? So it's like, I can walk outside and get content just from like taking photos and being me, but then I lose like the passion really quickly. So for me, the engaging part in the DMs is 50% of my job. And a lot of people I talk to are like, I don't check DMs. Oh, heck no, I'm not reading DMs. And that is majority of what I'm doing because I'm getting content and getting inspiration from their requests. And I also like, it, I think it's important to understand how women are constantly feeling. Like when I read some of these messages, I'm like, oh my gosh, like it puts things in perspective. Like someone will be like, I'm going through a really hard time. I lost my job for six months and I just got rehired. I don't have a lot of money to get like work heels and work business suits. Can you help me find them? And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. So like the passion comes from that where I like, I know their story and that they went through a really hard thing. And I'm like 10 times more passionate about finding the clothes than if it's just like for me. So I really spend time on the engagement part. I love that part. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is inspiring. And you got to find out what your audience wants. And I think that's why your content is so engaging because you're delivering on that. Mm -hmm. And then also people are building a relationship. They feel like they can trust you and like they can go to you as like a friend. So I feel like you're really breaking down the wall. A lot of influencers, it's kind of like they're put on a pedestal yeah. and there's a lot of like jealousy and comparison that happens. But mm -hmm. the way that you approach it really normalizes you as like, she's just a, a friend, she's just a girl and she's got great style and great input to share with the world. But I think it's such, it's such a warm, cozy community that you're building. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I think the old way of doing it was maybe more of this like editorial magazine style that we all subscribe to. And then there's like a way that you can be maybe more, more relatable, which I usually am following anyone or tuning into someone's life because I relate to them. I think the editorial style, some people really like, like some girls, you know, have messaged me in the past and be like, you seem really unsure of your style. So like I'm unfollowing. I'm like, okay, I'm just <laughs> having an open dialogue about, you know, experimenting with fashion. And some people don't like that, you know, they, maybe they want to subscribe to the more like got it together influencer. And so, yeah, I kind of fit a niche that I'm more comfortable being in. And then it's just like my work is better if I do it that way. Yeah. And it's authentic to you. Like yeah. the community, I think matches your energy and you bring this empathy to the table where you're really looking yeah. to relate and like hear out what people need from you. And then you're mm -hmm. also willing to follow through. So let's turn the conversation to mental health. How do you okay. think mental health plays a role in what you're doing now? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. I actually took off almost an entire year from Colette Prime. And I was dabbling on the side a little bit, but I took off like Basically, it started October 2019 to October 2020. So mental health is huge. And I mean, when you're doing anything in life, and if you can't tackle certain struggles head on, you're not, you're just going to have a breakdown in five years. Like it's all going to implode. 
eventually. And that's the point that I hit leading up to 2020. And so I'm super thankful to be back and healthy and ready. And it also kind of matched up perfectly with uh, what was going on in the world where like I could take off the time because it was a pandemic and girls weren't shopping as much. You know, there weren't requests coming in, which is my job to shop based on requests because like no one's shopping during a pandemic. So it aligned, it lined up perfectly. And yeah, mental health is everything. And taking that break that I took and like getting myself better and back was huge. It was huge, huge, huge. Tell us more <laughs> about that journey. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, okay, we're going to get into this. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, I was hit. Okay, so I was 28, turning 28, I just turned 29. And so that's kind of like the point, I think, in every woman's life or man's life, we kind of have to deal with things that we that have been happening in our early 20s. I think our early 20s, there's so much experimentation, and there's not a lot of responsibility, at least for me. Like it was kind of like I had these lingering issues since I was in college and I was slowly starting to peel back the layers and try and get rid of them. And I could not do it on my own. I could not do it while doing my influencing job because the influencing job would feed the struggle and then the struggle would feed the influencing job. So being able to take a step back and like tackle them head on, you know, I, I developed an eating disorder when I was in college. And the eating disorder never went away. It just got bigger, bigger, bigger. And so I'm 28. I'm going, well, I'm in a job where I'm like showing off my body. I'm wearing clothes all the time, taking photos of myself. This is never going to get better. This body dysmorphia, the eating disorder, if I don't take a break and like work on the mental health and then I can come back. But I can't keep doing both, you know, have the mental health issues and the job. It just does not work. <laughs> So what did you do when you took that break? What helped you get better? Uh, so I knew I had to take the break because I had been going to therapy actually for, I think it was like hitting my two and a half, three year mark and nothing was really breaking through with the therapy, which I, I love therapy. I recommend therapy, but I knew like the only person who could fix my like issues was me. So I had to take the time off. And luckily, like I said, the that COVID kind of, perfectly aligned up with that break. And what I did is I had to go through and just spend time with myself and go through the mental disorder. Like, why do I have an eating disorder? Where does it stem from? What is feeding them the eating disorder? What is making it worse? And like really asking myself the questions that I was in denial about for so, so long. And that's why you kind of got to take a break. Sometimes you got to pull back from what's feeding it and influencing was feeding it. Right. Like, I remember when I did the Cosmopolitan photo shoot, I was like so excited for that photo shoot, but I went on like a huge diet before to like look a certain way. So it's like, I did not have the tools to help myself not have this issue. So I had to work on my tools. I had to start getting rid of my diets. I had to like join a couple of recovery programs online, like via um, YouTube. Actually, I found a lot of good recovery programs online. And so it was just like really tackling my issues head on and like peeling back the layers of why this is happening. Like looking inward and uncomfortably looking inward, you know, like really focusing on like, okay, girl, like, are you going to have this issue for your whole life? No, I'm not going to. So what do I got to do? It was eye opening. It was very, I'm thankful for the year 2020 in some ways, even though it was a really hard year, but like I did have the downtime to work on a lot of things. 
And you needed that rest. That was definitely important for your recovery. And it seems like you did a lot of self-reflection. But my question is, how do you live in this career where it is so triggering for eating disorders or body dysmorphia? How did you then return back to it in a way that's healthy and still managing that? Well, the break was huge. Taking a break, and I actually worked on a film during that time as the costume designer and wardrobe. So it gave me something else I could do where I wasn't on camera. So it was like the production side of things. That was huge. So like, yes, I had to take a step back from the influencing job because that was feeding it. So I joined some programs online. I got rid of my diets. I started doing things that I would never be willing to do if I was taking photos of myself, which is sad. Like I started eating meat again. I had been a vegetarian for 10 years prior, which was also like feeding into the disorder too, where you have like such a strict diet. It allows you to avoid eating a lot of the times, you know, I can't eat that. I'm a vegan. I I don't want that. I can't eat that. You know, so I had to drop all of that and get rid of like the ego side of it and just start eating meat again. So I was having like burgers, fries, chicken tenders, like forcing myself to eat foods that I didn't allow myself to eat for so long, but I couldn't have done that if I was on camera because I had to let go of my ego. I had to let go of the fact that I might get a lot of pimples because when you stop eating a certain food and you start eating again, your skin's going to break out. You're going to, you're going to look different, right? Like in anyone who's going through any kind of eating disorder recovery, like you have got to do the recovery, right? And that means letting go of the diet and eating everything every pizza, like ice cream, cookies, things that I had given up for 10 years on this like diet, quote unquote diet that I was living in constantly. And so I allowed myself to get a job where I didn't have to be on camera. And that really, really helped. And I knew if I could like do this for six months and like get rid of my diet, gain the weight, feel comfortable in the weight, not worry about the weight and the skin, then I could come back to it healthy and strong and do it right. Instead of like having this like elephant in the room all the time where I was like secretly struggling with something that was killing me. (laughs) Yeah, that's so much pressure. And it's literally your job. So I know that you did a lot of self-reflection, but did you hold this all in or did you share this with friends and family? Like, did you have a support system to help you as well? I held it all in. I did it all on my own. And since, unfortunately, since it was during 2020, you know, I wasn't seeing anyone, which might've been even more helpful because then I didn't have to like you know tell anyone what was going on or explain myself or because you know I didn't want I didn't want to have to explain myself yet I wanted to like do it and then be able to reflect back on it at the time I was living with my boyfriend so I had support from him we were living in San Francisco and so yes I, I did have support you know I wasn't alone in it but I knew most of the work had to be by myself in a way because I never allowed myself to be by myself and work on myself That makes sense. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah, it's all about that inner dialogue. Mm -hmm. And so after recovery, now you're doing much better, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure you're still in the spotlight. You're still an influencer with thousands of eyes on you. um, And with that sometimes comes haters. So how do you cope with that? How do you stay positive and confident? That's a good question. I have learned now after, you know, three years of doing this to totally, if I read something that's negative, if I get a negative comment or a message, delete and just remove from my mind and move on. Whereas before I used to like really sit with it and take it in. And I think especially when you're a smaller influencer like myself, 
you are going to read a lot of the comments because there's not that many of them or you're going to read a lot of the messages because they're not that many messages so you're going to sit with the messages and think about them but just realizing like you cannot allow someone else else's hurt and pain to affect you like you can feel sorry for them maybe pray for them be like oh that's really sad that they're feeling that way today but you cannot let it like fester and hold on to and have a grudge and be mad and get too engaged with them so like i just delete now i'm like this didn't happen <laughs> even if it's like a mean comment i don't let it sit there because like i don't want to see it every time i check that photo i don't want others to see it so i'm really good about just deleting and moving on it really helps that's a solid response, honestly. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the time, even if I get a bad comment and I don't have that many followers, I'm just kind of like, okay, well, what can I learn from this? And like, it doesn't have to be like that. You don't have to torture yourself with some troll, you know, yeah. so. For someone who's like had a really, really bad day and it's the easiest thing to take it out on you. And like, they're, they don't even, half the time, they're not your fan anyway or someone who wants to support you. So it's like, why give them any time of the day? It's not like your mother is giving you a bad comment. You might be like, mom, why'd you say this? But it's like someone who doesn't know you or care about you. Yeah, it's so true. You have to remember where it's coming from and just kind of brush it off. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. really good advice. It's part of the industry too. Like it's part of any element of get, putting yourself out there. You're going to get negativity back. Don't you think? In any yeah. way or form. Absolutely. Like the more good that comes the more mm -hmm. bad that kind of comes with it sometimes, but you just, it seems like you're doing a really good job managing it. How do you think your mental health informs and inspires the business now? That's really good. I think that the mental health of me right now is huge because since I went through that, I can now have such a deeper understanding of what other women and girls are going through, right? I'm like, oh, wow. Like if I can do something to help their day, to help them feel confident, even if it's for one night out of the year, if I help dress them in something that they feel really good in and they didn't have to spend a lot of money in and they feel confident that I did something huge because now I understand the cycle of bad mental health, masking it, bad mental health, putting something over it and just like slapping a Band-Aid on and be like, this doesn't exist. So for me, it is everything. Like knowing that I had mental health issues, and knowing that I can help others with it, it's huge. It's probably like the center of it all, right? Like sometimes I think we go, we suffer, we go through really hard times. At least I think God allows some things to happen because it's going to make us a better person and relate to others really, really well. So I feel like I relate to everyone much better because I went through that. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a really profound, actually, like the fact of like, we're given these difficult challenges, so then we can make something positive of it that other people can learn and grow from. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it. If, if you never have those struggles, like how can you re honestly relate to other people's struggles? It's much more difficult. And you'll find that a lot with some people who've never had a bad thing happen to them. They almost have their nose up a little bit at you. And not all of them. I'm just saying you, I have run into girls in the past who like everything's just been so perfect and good and easy. So they just can't relate to like what the average girl is going through. And it comes off and I'm like, oh, like she does not understand or that's not very sensitive or she doesn't seem, she doesn't, she seems very like closed off to people. I, I get that from people who haven't had certain struggles. So I'm thankful for it. Cause I'm like, 
I know the value of complimenting someone. I know the value of looking someone in the eyes and think you look so beautiful today. Like you, you look so beautiful today. Your <laughs> eyes are glistening, girl. Your hair is so shiny. Oh my goodness. The, the amount of dry shampoo, but thank you so much. You should rock the dry shampoo because <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> I appreciate that. But yeah, there's so much value in giving compliments and just like actually uplifting each other. And that's why I think what you're doing is so different and so special because it's not, you know, a contest of like, I have this and you don't. It's more of like, here's how you can get the look. Here's how you can yes. implement this into your own life and feel good. And I think that's why you're so approachable. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I think that is huge. So I'm like thankful for that experience because now I understand the value of uplifting other people is huge. It's everything. <laughs> At least for my niche that I'm in, it's everything. It is. And people live off of your advice. So definitely keep going with it. Okay. What advice would you give to yourself if you could talk to a younger version of you? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. I mean, I think now I had to go through what I went through to be here now. So like maybe not in the mental health thing, but I think like if I could just shake myself and be like, tell myself you're going to be okay. Just have confidence in what you're doing. It's okay. I would have been so, I would have not had so many hard times where I let other people control how confident I feel over myself. And like, if I'm going to be successful, if I'm likable and just like shook myself, I'm like, Hey girl, like you've got this, you're beautiful. Like keep going. Don't stop. That's what I would have told myself. <laughs> I love that. Well, it seems like you have done that regardless. So even without yeah. being able to tell yourself that advice, you came to the same conclusion, but you're just living proof of taking your experiences and turning it into something positive and beautiful. So thank you for that. Um, last thing that I'm going to ask is just self-care. What do you do for self-care outside of the scope of your career? Because although it's very fulfilling, it's still your job. It's still work. So yeah. what do you do outside of this? That is a great question. <laughs> I do, well, I live alone now for the first time ever. So that's very new to me. I don't think, I, I've never live, lived alone. So now I do have to have boundaries that are really healthy for me because living alone and then living in my work with clothes everywhere and like the computer right here, I am more inclined to just constantly be working and maybe slipping into like the part where I'm not taking super good care of myself. So now, living alone, I have these boundaries. Like I need to go on a walk every day. I live in LA. If I'm not doing a block around the neighborhood, what, what am I doing? Like getting outside, getting some sunshine, looking at the nature and just like taking it all in and being off the phone is really good boundary for me to have. Not constantly checking the phone. I mean, I think the average of all of us on our phones right now is like over three hours. And that's just like the average. So when I usually check my time on my phone, it's, it's closer to eight hours a day. Right. So it's like, I need to take that eight hours a day and make that really efficient and not turn that into 12 hours a day. And then four of those hours be like for nothing. <laughs> so having boundaries, I'm like, okay, you need to get outside and walk. Um, I also, you know, found my love for Jesus this year and God and got really close to that. So like reading the Bible on my walks or listening to something on YouTube about Jesus and trying to connect with nature and the universe. That's really, really big for me. And having an understanding that like, it's okay 
he has my back, everything's okay. And just talking to myself like that sometimes is really helpful. (laughs) Yeah, faith is huge, especially when we're facing all this uncertainty and like 2020 has simplified a lot in kind of a a good way, but I'm glad that you found faith because that can be really reassuring. It can, and I didn't have that before. So I didn't have that for, you know, all of my 20s. So now that I have it, I'm like, wow, what a tool, what a gift that we have to use. It's like, that honestly did help my year 2020 and my issues, it helped a a lot. So yeah, if anyone out there is listening to this and you have always had a curiosity about Christianity or God or Jesus, like I'm saying, go for it, go for it right now because you will not regret it. You would probably agree. Yeah, it can definitely be super helpful. And I like what you said about setting boundaries too and holding yourself accountable now that you live alone. It is important that you take proactive steps to do things and get out of the apartment. And also what you said about phones, I'm pretty sure that they just released um, a study that said four hours or more means you're addicted to your phone. And I'm definitely surpassing that. Like I'm like 10 hours, my hand like hurts. I'm always like stretching my hand and- Who knows how bad this will be years from now, but that that's a good tool. Do you ever like delete apps? Do you leave your phone at home? Like, how do you manage to turn it off? I, I'm really good at it now. I do not allow notifications, which is power. Like I do not allow any banner to show up that notifies me. So if I want to open an app and see that I got something, I will click the app and open Instagram but I'm not getting any notification bell. So when I check my phone, it doesn't even show me messages. It says zero messages, zero notifications. And that really, really helps. But then when I open up my messages, I can see the text. But until I open up my messages, I'm like, I got nothing. I got nothing. It's great. (laughs) Because sometimes I could find myself like, before I go on my walk, I'll check my other apps. You know, I'll check TikTok. I'll check my messages or calls. And I, you know, I'll I'll check my calls because like just in case, but usually I'm like, Oh, I have nothing on my phone, so now I'll go on a walk. <laughs> it's a good trick to do to trick yourself into thinking you have no notifications. Yeah, that's definitely something that we can all roll out. I'm gonna see if I could turn my notifications off. Do you give yourself like a set structure for working of like I'm gonna go on Amazon, I'm gonna go on Instagram now, or I'm gonna have a content creation day? How do you manage like making your own schedule? I think that will be key for my next year going forward. But since I took off this last year, pretty much of like doing the Amazon, doing the shopping for girls, I am just going for it every morning. I check my DMs and I see what I can work with that day. So until those come, I don't have a set schedule and I, I, I will schedule photos. Like I'll have a couple girlfriends who will meet up. Like I'm meeting up with uh, a friend tomorrow to take photos with her. So we'll do like once or twice a week photos, but then I'll have those to post for the week, but everything else is just free right now. I don't think that's sustainable for, for long, especially when I do launch a YouTube, when I do launch like more TikToks, that's going to have to change. Like it's going to have to be like, today's a YouTube filming. Then you're going to edit that night. Then you're going to do Amazon. Right. But right now I'm just like free flowing. That's nice though. It's good to have that freedom. What about you? Do you organize your schedule out? Obviously, because you have podcasts. I need to be better. Like we're talking because I I work with my partner, Juliet, and we both kind of have to-do lists that are 
all over the place with like so many tabs open and I'll write one email and then I'll be mid email and then I'll start another task and then I'll make a TikTok and it's like yep. all over the place. So I think I'm going to take some of your advice of maybe adding structure, but also not being distracted by notifications, I think will help yeah. me. But it's hard when there's no rules and you're your own boss, but then you have all this time, but then you feel kind of less motivated sometimes because it's like, well, I have the whole day. And then before I know it, it's like 9 p.m. and I'm over it. Yeah, exactly. And that is what I think some beauty of having structure is. But in the beginning of this, my advice to anyone would be just let it go. Let the structure thing go and just create if you are a creator. Now, if you give yourself these parameters that are like really, really tight and then you don't get what you need it done, that can like mess you up too. That's true. had this goal for the day and I didn't reach any of that. And now I'm just going to be in my head for five hours. So I didn't reach my goal. So sometimes that can be bad too in the creative space, but we got to be professional about it. Like you are professional. You had a time. We're going to do a podcast and we did the podcast on time. So like, there we go. Round of applause. That. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, you're right. And it's hard. I think managing expectations is important because I'll set these perfectionist, unrealistic standards. And then I just end up disappointed and end up procrastinating. So yeah, you're right. I think I'll take it as we go. And today we did this podcast. Yeah. We did it on yeah. time. I pressed record. We got the whole mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Colette, thank you so much for being here and thank you for being so vulnerable. Um, where can people find you? Right now, my Instagram is my go-to. If you want to message me on Instagram at Colette Leclaire, I at Colette Leclaire underscore. I always, always respond. So if you message me on there, that's the best way to get in touch with me. I'm also um, gonna. I also have TikTok. My TikTok's a little bit different with messages. So just find me on Instagram, and then we can connect there. Perfect. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, thank you again, Colette, for being here. And thank you for sharing everything that you did. And I think it'll be eye opening for a lot of people to listen. And it's really great for someone like you who seems to have it all together to show that kind of vulnerability um, and to share what you did. So thank you again. You're the best. And I cannot wait for this episode to come out. I'll post it everywhere. And you're amazing. Thank you so much. I can't wait. Thank you, Colette. This was an episode of Brains Out Love podcast by Mental Health Global Network, mhgn.org. Thanks for prioritizing mental health and see you next time.